This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, uh, the title today is this. This is something that's just really been on my heart all week. It's called Standing on the Promises of God. Now, you know, if you've been a Christian very long, maybe, you know, if you, depending on what type of church background you come from, you realize that there is, there's an old hymn called Standing on the Promises of God. And uh, it was written in 1886, so that was, you know, just a few years before some of us were born. But at the same time, you know, we, we don't do a lot of hymns around here. We do some. We just sang one a minute ago. But we don't, we don't do a, you know, we don't sing a lot of hymns uh, anymore, but I know this much. Some of them are very, very powerful, right? And, and, you know, this song, uh, in fact, I didn't, in fact, growing up, I didn't sing a lot of hymns at our church growing up. We we're very Pentecostal, charismatic, and I, and that's so, if, if you know some of those songs, I can sing those all day long. But, but this song though, I, it, it is a powerful song because when you think about it, what, what, what is it that we're standing on? What, what is it that we're so assured of? What is it that gives us such confidence that God's going to come through for us. We're standing on his promises. And there's over 8,800 specific promises from God, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Over 8,800 different promises that God made to us. And I've been thinking about this all week long because, you know, I know different people face different things and different people are, well, I'm dealing with this right now, Pastor, and guess what? There's a promise from God's word for you on that. Yeah, well, I'm dealing with this over here. Guess what? There's 255 promises from God's word about that to you right there. And I don't ever want to approach anything I do with, you know, a, a religious, you know, well, we're standing on the promises. Because, you know, I get that. You know, some people are just uh, have a religious mindset and just repeat things that they've always heard. But my uh, goal is to get us to realize when I say I'm, I'm standing on the promises of God, I, I'm not just saying that because it's something we've said for 140 years. I'm saying it because I mean it. When God promised me something, you better know that I fully believe that he's going to come through and do what he said he would do. And so, you know, as I said earlier today, man, we're, we're five months into 2021, and all I can say is that the first five months have been a wonderful Five months in my life and in this church life and, and so many of you guys, I know the things that God's doing in your lives. I mean, the first five months have been off the charts, incredible. Some of the best five months I've ever had just seeing what God's doing over and over again. And I sat down the other day just to like, man, I'm going to write down some testimonies of some things that I've already seen in five months in 2021. And I looked back to Christmas of last year whenever, you know, we had some extra money. So what do we do? We we bought everybody in here. Remember, we gave everybody some gift cards and said, this is the gift of seed. We want you to take this gift card and go find somebody to give it to because what better gift could we give you than the gift of seed? Because when you give something to somebody else, the Bible says, oh, it's going to be given back unto you, but good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. And so I could give you a $20 bill and say, you know, take your family to in and out for lunch, you know, be warmed and filled. God bless you. Or you could take that $20 and give it to somebody else 
that needs it, and you'll get more than one meal for the for lunch that day, you will have harvest coming back to you. And so we gave these gift cards out, and we said, this is for you to have seed for 2021 for your year, but it's also so we will reap a harvest and get our HVACs in when we need them, right? And so we gave that out, and praise God, within about 30 days' time, we received $60,000 to get our brand new HVAC units. We were only expecting 30 and we got $60,000. Amen. And praise God, we're getting the we're getting the right ones put in really really soon. We're going to put some pressure on this week to to get this thing done because it is getting warm, but praise God, that's a testimony. And what was that? That was standing on the promises of God because Galatians 6:7 says, "You reap what you sow." And so we said, hey, we're going to plant some seeds and we will reap a harvest. And praise God, we stood on that promise and we reaped a harvest very, very quickly. I was thinking of one of the single moms here at church when, when we were taking up this, you know, the collection for the HVAC. And she said, man, I want to give. I just don't have anything to give right now. But but she heard this verse that we shared. And Second Corinthians 9, 10 says that he gives seed to the sower. And you're like, and she's like, God, I want to give, but I need something to give. So I'm claiming seed for the sower. And guess what? That very afternoon, she told me somebody came up and just out of nowhere gave her a sum of money. And she said, God, I'll, I'll give it straight to, I'll give it. And bless God, she was obedient and she gave it. And, and the, the blessings have poured out on her life since then. So what am I talking about? Standing on the promises of God. If God promised something to you in his word, he will do it. On Easter Sunday, we had a lady come in here. She had been going through stage four cancer. And she, somebody brought her in and, and, and they said, listen, if you get to my church, they'll pray for you and God will heal you. Guarantee it. And, you know, she brings her up to me. I'm like, well, hey, that's a lot of pressure. But guess what? The pressure's not on me. It's on God, and he can take it. So we grabbed some anointing oil out. She'd never seen this before in her life. What are you getting ready to do to me? If I walked into some weird place here, I'm like, this isn't weird. We're going to anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. So I put some oil on my hands, me and Katie. We laid hands on her. She went on Monday, got her blood work done. By the end of that week, the doctor said, there's no cancer in your body. You're cancer-free. So what am I telling you? God made a lot of promises in his word. And if you've got the guts to believe it, he's got the power to make it happen in your life. So when I say, brother, I'm standing on the promises of God, that's not just some cute thing that I'm saying from back in the day. I'm saying it because my entire life is based upon God not being a liar, his word being true, and him coming through in the clutch time and time again. And he's never let me down. Not one time, and he never will. And all I can say is, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. You, There's nothing you could say. There's nothing you could do to make me change my mind on that. I love Jesus with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and strength. He's everything to me because he's done so much for me. I, there's no way I could ever repay him. If I lived 10,000 years, I couldn't repay Jesus for what he's done for me in this one lifetime. He is everything to me, and he keeps his word. And so what is a promise? 
Well, I've got this definition on the screen here. This is from the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the original English here. But a declaration which gives the person to whom it is made, look at this, a right to expect or to claim the performance of the act. Uh, it's a right to expect or to claim the performance of the act. Now, you hear people say, well, you guys, you're, you're some of those name it and claim it. And th- they mean that as an insult, but I'm like, you're darn right we're a name it and claim it. God said he would do it. I'm going to claim that promise. That's not an insult to me. No way. Well, you guys just grab it and blab it. You bet we grab it and blab it. I grab what the word of God says to me, and I'll blab it to anybody that will listen or if they won't listen, because God is good. And if he made a promise in his word, I am going to lay claim to that promise. You better bet that I'm going to, and I'm not ashamed of it. It's healed me of leukemia. It's done so many things in our lives that I'm not ashamed to name the word, to claim the word, to grab the word, to blab the word. I'm not insulted or ashamed by that whatsoever. I expect and I claim that God will do what he says he will do. Who believes that this morning? God will do what he says he will do. You know, there's this old saying in the world, you know, don't let your mouth write checks that you can't cash. Well, listen, God's been writing some big checks lately, and he's got the power to cash every single one of them. And so, well, that's a big thing. I don't know if I could believe for that. Hey, if you can believe it, God can make it happen, no matter how big it is. And so we just need the faith of a child. Amen. A kids, kids, you notice, I mean, a kid that's from a good home, they don't have a lot of worries in this world if they've got a stable mom and dad. Well, well, son, aren't you worried about that? No, my dad promised that he'd take care of it. I'm not worried about it. And listen, I've got a really good father in heaven. Amen. I've got a good earthly dad, but I've got a really good father in heaven. And why should I worry? My dad promised that he would protect me. He promised that he would send his angels to surround me. He promised to supply all my needs. He promised that though a thousand may fall at my left hand and ten thousand at my right hand, it will not come near me. I'm not afraid. I've got the promises of God. And so I want to pray this morning that I'm going to look at a few things to encourage you and challenge you and remind you that, hey, You've got some really good promises for you to stand on, but you're going to have to do some work on your end. You're going to have to actually open the Bible and see what they are and actually believe what God says. Let's pray this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your holy written word. We thank you that we've got the word of God right here today that we can read. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak to each person here in Jesus' mighty name. Challenge us encourage us. Lord, remind us of things that we need reminded of. Teach us things that maybe we've never heard before. But I thank you, Lord, that we're stronger because we made the decision to come to your house today, Lord, and to listen to your word. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? All right. So number one today is this. Number one, you can trust God. You can trust God. Now, for some, it's like, well, that's not very deep. But as of the month of May, I've been in full-time ministry for 14 years. And there's one thing that I've learned in 14 years is there are a lot of people that have serious 
trust issues. They have trust issues. Because why? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but maybe maybe their mom and their dad honestly didn't keep their word to them very much. And I that's that's tragic and it makes me sad because I admit I I was very blessed. I didn't grow up in a, you know, millionaire household, but I did grow up in a house with parents that loved me and kept their word to me and taught me the Bible. And that's the best gift I could ever have. I, you know, forget forget everything else. But I, I did have that. But I have realized out of 14 years that there is a large percentage of people that they have trust issues because they couldn't trust their parents and they couldn't trust their family. And that breaks my heart because whenever parents, whenever we set that example for our kids, they start to think, well, my my dad said this all the time, but he never meant it. They have a very hard time trusting that their heavenly father will keep his word also. And they may not put it that way. They may not even think of it that way. But whenever you establish trust issues within somebody, it becomes very hard to break. And so I've seen, you know, a lot of people like, well, I mean, I know the Bible says that I want to believe it. I want to trust it. But for whatever reason, it's really hard for them to accept that God loves them, not because they do a bunch of things for him, but God loves them because he loves them. You realize that, right? That God doesn't love you because you give a bunch of money, because you read your Bible, because you do this and this and this. No, God loves you because he created you in his image and he thinks that you're awesome and wonderful and he loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus to die for you. Right? I mean, come on. He he doesn't love you because you're talented and, well, I really love her. She's a great singer. I mean, so, no, God loves you because he loves you. And as a Christian, no matter how long you've been a Christian, I'm here to tell you today, you can trust God even if you couldn't trust them. Even if your dad or your mom let you down, you can trust God. He's never let me down. People have let me down, but I can say with all certainty that God the Father has never let me down. He's always been there for me. So let's look at Numbers chapter 23. Can we look at Numbers chapter 23 this morning? Amen. So we're going to go back to the Old Testament here. Numbers chapter 23. And uh, man, maybe this isn't a book that you read a whole lot out of, but this is good stuff right here. Numbers chapter 23. And we're going to look at verse 19. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. And I'm telling you today that no matter what, you can trust God. He's not a liar. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, it says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's also not a woman, so he doesn't lie. Well, He's not a person, so he doesn't lie. Amen. It has nothing to do with being male or female. But God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through the answers no the answer is no he's never promised and not done his part to carry it through but there's so much wrapped up into this one little verse listen god doesn't change his mind because if he changes his mind that means that at one point he was wrong right 
Have you ever made a decision? You're like, oh, wait, now that I've got more information, I, I was wrong. I, I, I'm going to have to change that. No, God doesn't have to change his mind because he was right the first time around. Right. And so it says right here that he is not a human. He does not lie. And, you know, one thing that I found out is, you know, I don't know how to say this, but the majority of people lie at some point in time. Shocking, I know, but but the truth of the matter is that the majority of people, unfortunately, they'll lie if it's going to get them out of trouble. I'm not saying you guys, I'm just saying a lot of people that you see out there in this world, right? And uh, and so, I don't know, I've got this this strange TV habit that um, I I don't watch cops and stuff like that because I can't handle the hard stuff, but I watch these these TV shows about the game wardens, about like the 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 the, the Police officials that deal with uh, wildlife. And that sounds crazy, but I'm a dork and I'm a nerd. And that, that's like, that's as hardcore as I can handle. Okay. So anyway, so I, I, I watch these guys and, and they go out and, you know, hey, you're hunting without a license. What's wrong with you? And they check the hunting licenses and the fishing licenses or whatever. And, it, and it's really interesting to me. But as I watch these shows, all right, there's one thing that I've noticed. It is shocking to me how many people will lie to law enforcement. I'm just shocked. I mean, over something as stupid as a fishing license, and and people always think they've got this clever lie, like, oh, I do have a fishing license, but it's uh, it's I didn't bring it with me today. And they're like, oh, well, we can just look it up on our system right here. Uh oh. Uh. <laughs> well, well, what happened was I I used to have one, and it expired. When it says here that you've never had one in your life, and so, but it's just it shocks me. Because I wasn't raised that way, that no matter what, you don't want to lie to anybody, but God forbid that you're going to lie to law enforcement. And what's hilarious is the longer that I've watched these shows, I see the same lies repeated over and over and over by different people all the time. And so what you've got to realize is, is you think that that clever little lie is, well, I'll tell the CHP officer that I've got to go to the bathroom really bad. Do you know how often he's heard that lie? Right? <laughs> and people will just lie to them and think, and, and you got to realize that guy's heard that lie 10,000 times this week, and they don't believe it. They see right through it. And and, and what, I, what I'm getting at is this, is that we have to realize that you may just be accustomed to people lying. You may just be accustomed to people not keeping their promises, but don't hold God in the same category that you hold people. He's not a human. So he does not lie. John 4 says God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God's not one of us. So don't hold him to the same standards in the same box that you may put other people into. God is not a person, so he does not lie. Has he ever made a promise and failed to carry it through? The answer is absolutely no. He is not like that. And so I am telling you today that Jesus can be trusted. He's very trustworthy. He always comes through in what he promises, and he always keeps his word. And so sometimes we look at things in the Bible and see things like, you know, beloved, Third John 2, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. I don't know why that trips so many Christians up, especially from religious denominational backgrounds. They see that and they're like, they're 
it's in there, but there's no way that that's talking to us. There's no way that God actually desires that I would have wealth and, and have health and have money. And, and, and there's no way that God, yes, there is. Why would God put something in there that he doesn't mean? Absolutely. He's not out there just making big old promises just so we can dangle something in front of you. Remember that old State Farm commercial where the State Farm agent's dangling a dollar bill in front of the girl on a fishing pole and she's grabbing for it? God's not dangling something good in front of you just so you'll grab for it. If he made the promise, he wants you to have it. And so it makes me think of one time... Um, so right after Katie and I got married, I, I worked at Hardee's, okay? I mean, you've heard some of my stories. So it's the, the Carl's Jr. of the Midwest. And so our, our district manager decided to do this contest, all right? I was super into basketball at the time, all right? Really into, I mean, basketball was like my whole life. And so our, our company was one of the biggest sponsors of the Indiana Pacers for basketball. And, and so they did this contest. Whoever in this district has the fastest drive-through time for, you know, this time period, you're going to get these courtside tickets to this upcoming game. You're going to meet the players. You're going to do all this stuff because they were this huge sponsor. And so me and my boss were really close. We were like, oh, we've got this. We'll, we'll do anything we've got to do. I mean, we, short of killing someone, we would have done anything we could have done. To win these tickets. I mean, we would have rather had this than a check for a million dollars. I mean, it was, and so me and my boss, we hustled, we, we did everything we could. And in fact, I've told this story, this isn't my point today, but I was so, so bad wanted these tickets. One time, you know, we were doing good. And so he would every day, he would get the latest updates like, okay, we're in second place in the whole district. There's these two stores in Indianapolis that are beating us. But as long as we can trim this down today, we should move up one spot. And so we were just, we were killing it, man. We were working our behinds off. And so one day in the drive through line, this lady's car breaks down and she's sitting on our timer and I'm in the back, and there's a timer roll, and I'm like, oh, God, no, no, everything we've worked for, this junkie car's going to, she's going to cost us everything. And my boss is like, here it goes, all that hard work down the drain for nothing. And he knew that I'm a, I mean, I was a person of faith, right? I don't just talk about the stuff that we preach here. I actually do this stuff in my life, right? I'm, and so, and so... He's like, what are we going to do? we got to get her out of there. Is there some way? And I open the back door to the kitchen, and he sees me walking out to the drive, and he knows my mechanical skills. Right? I was just talking to Brandon about this. I'm not a mechanic, and I just got to admit that. I can change uh, your, your wiper fluid if you want something like that. I can change your oil, but that's the extent of my mechanical ability. And so he sees the door fly open. I stomp out there in my, my Hardy's visor with a star on the top, you know, my non-skid shoes and my Hardy's t-shirt. And I'm walking out there. He's like, don't do it. Please don't, please don't. Go. And my boss is begging me. He's like, don't be a hero. Don't do this. I'm like, I got this. And so I go to this lady's car. I'm like, ma'am, I'm not a mechanic, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't say that. But I said, ma'am, I know you've got something going on here, and we care about you. We want to get you your food. What I'm going to do here is I'm a Christian. I'm going to I'm going to pray over your car right now. You're going to try it again. It's going to start up. Go to the window and get your burgers, and you just drive right out the parking lot right now, ma'am. And so I go out there, and my boss is, oh, God, no, no. Please don't do this. So I mean, but 
the gifts of the Spirit, there's this gift of special faith. I'm not going to that today. But there's a temporary endowment from on high where God will just momentarily give you something. And so I laid hands on this lady's car. And I promise you, I had no doubt in my mind that it was going to start when I prayed for it. I said, in the name of Jesus, bless this lady. Let her car start right now in Jesus' name. Ma'am, try it again. I, I was so confident. I just started walking back to the kitchen. You know what I mean? Just And then she starts the car. She twists the key, and it actually fires up. And my boss about passed out. He about fainted in the kitchen like, oh, my God. And so, anyway, he's hanging on to and, and, I mean, I just knew that it was going to work. And so she starts it up, goes to the window, gets her thick burger, and drives off down the street. I have no idea what happened from there, but it worked. It actually worked. So the point of my story, though, that was not that was just a sidetrack. The, the point of it all is this. We worked and we hustled. We did everything they told us to do. And in the end, we found out that we actually did finish in first. But they gave our tickets to somebody else. One of the buddies of the district manager, he kind of worked his way in. And they gave him the tickets that we had hustled and worked for and, 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 and all this stuff. And me and my boss, we were just livid. We were so mad. We were so angry. We did all this stuff. We put our reputation on the line to get these stupid basketball tickets. And, and so in the end, I was like, you know what? This hurts. It's a low blow. Now, maybe you're laughing because, you know, that's not really in, in the grand scheme of things. Now that I've got kids and, and, you know, a real life to live, basketball tickets are way down on the list of importance. But at the time, they were really high up there. OK. And so, you know, I'm like, you know, what, what can I do? So, God, I'm just going to give it to you. And, Lord, I, you know, forgive the bosses and everything else. And I know that you'll make it up to me someday. God will make it up to me someday. And so I stood on that. And it's funny because years later, I can say this, God has more than made it up to me in so many ways. But one funny thing is this. In 2010, about 2009 and 10, me and my brother Joe somehow became friends with this guy that worked for the Los Angeles Clippers. And he was a, t- he was a ticket guy. And so he started giving us tickets to sit in the suites to sit courtside and all this stuff. And it was hilarious. I mean, here we are. You know, he, one day he called me uh, one one day in 2010, I think it was. It was like, hey, what are you doing Tuesday night? I'm like, I don't know. He said, come on down. Just show up to this entrance to the Staples Center and, and tell him your name and I've got something for you. So you don't have to tell me and Joe twice, man. We hopped in that thing and we sped it down there. And I show up to the window. And I'm like, hey, uh, Maurice told us that... Uh, to show up right here. And so they bring it, they bring us this envelope with tickets. They, there's this entrance that not a lot of people see, but it's called the VIP entrance. And so these ushers escort us in, take us to this back hallway and lead us to this suite where they gave us hot wings all night long. All night long. And they're like, sir, would you like more? We're like, we're from Barstow. Absolutely. We want more. Keep them coming. Never seen anything like this in our lives. And so they're bringing the, and like, do you, can we fill up your soda? 
fill it up twice, man. Give us two of them. Like, come on, you listen. And so this happened a couple of times, and then eventually they gave us these courtside tickets. I mean, right there, you could feel the sweat from the players just splashing you. It was it was an incredible experience. Now, these days, you probably couldn't pay me to go to an NBA game, but that's a different story. Anyway, so, but at that point in time, that was everything to me. And I just looked back and said, you know what, Hardy's? Hardy, hard, 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 hard. <laughs> Keep your stupid tickets. Amen. Come on, somebody. All right. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Let's get for real here. But I'm telling you this. Even if people have let you down and not kept their word, God's never done that to you. Now, I'll say this. You mean you've never had a prayer go unanswered? I've had prayers go unanswered. You mean you've never taken a loss? Oh, I've taken the L. I've taken the loss a few times. But guess what? If I look back on every situation, it's never been God's fault. If I was to be honest, I could look back and say, oh, I know why that happened now. Because I did this. I invited that trouble into my life. I This happened over here. But there's never been a time that God has made a promise, and I've kept my end of the deal, that he's ever not kept his end of the deal. He's always come through. And when people have let me down, just like the story I just told, he was there to more than make up for it every single time. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2 in the New King James, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him, I will say it with me, trust. He's my God, and Him I will trust. Is there anybody in here today that you trust the Lord? That's why I have not flipped out. I have not lost sleep. I've not spent one moment of fear over these last 14 months, over these last 14 years. Why? Because God made some promises to me. And guess what? I actually trust them. And I know so many of you do, too, that we trust if God said it in his word and I believe it, it will come to pass. I will have it. Look at Psalm 56. Psalm 56. We're getting warmed up now. Who's having a good time today? Amen. I love coming to the house of the Lord. Love being with the people of God. Psalm 56 We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. And what are we talking about? We're talking about standing on the promises of God. And when God makes a promise, it's not like somebody else making a promise. He's There's nobody like him. He always keeps his word every single time. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. It says, but when I am afraid, I will put my what? Trust in you. Verse 4. I praise God for what he has promised. I, what is it? Trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I trust in God. I trust in God. Say it with me. I trust in God. Why would I be afraid? No devil is big enough to take God down. No person is big enough to take God down. No disease is big enough to take God down. I trust in God. I should not be afraid. Now, a promise is only good if the receiver trusts the promise maker. 
I'm the receiver. He's the promise maker. If the promise is only good if I will believe and trust him. Because there's a whole lot of good promises in the Bible that a lot of Christians are not experiencing. They're not believing God for him. They're not trusting God for him. If they just fell on you like ripe cherries off a tree, as the saying goes, you know, when, when it's harvest time for cherries, they get ripe. They just fall right off the tree. It's a beautiful thing. No, you don't even have to go out there and tug on them and pull them. They just fall right off the tree. Well, guess what? The promises of God, you got to reach out and receive it and believe it and, and grab it and take a hold of it. It's that way. And there's so many great things in the Bible that a lot of God's children are not experiencing because they're they're not they're not going for it. They're not grabbing it. They're not trusting God for it. But nevertheless, it is there. And so that brings me to point number two. Number one, you got to trust God. Number two, you have to take his word seriously. You have to take his word seriously. Don't go around and say things like, well, I'm standing on the promises, brother, when you don't take the Bible seriously, because absolutely you're not. You know, I had someone tell me one time, you know, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm standing on the promises. Okay, good. What verses are you, what verses are you believing for and standing on? Just gave me a blank stare. Like, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, well, that's a nice thing to say, but you're not standing on the promises then. Because standing on the promises of God means that you're trusting in and standing on his word. So don't ever again say that you're standing on the promises if you don't have some actual verses that you really are standing on. You've got to have the word of God. And you, if you're going to grow in the Lord, you're going to have to take God's word seriously. It can't just be a hobby. It can't be a, you know, well, that's my Sunday thing. I mean, think about it. We know we, we, we equate the word of God to our daily bread, to our manna, to our spiritual food. I don't know anybody in here that only eats one time a week. Right? You know, it, come Saturday, you're like, oh, wait, tomorrow's Sunday. It's eating day. Well, I, I think I'm having a sandwich tomorrow, and, and that'll be my food for the week. I'll, we won't eat again until next Sunday. No, you eat every day, Right? Every day. I mean, most of us several times a day, right? Because you've got to stay healthy. You gotta stay, and you're not healthy if you were to only eat one time a week. Yet, there's so many people that they love the Lord. They are a Christian. But the only time they get any spiritual food they ever eat spiritually is maybe one time a week. And that's on Sundays when they come to church. If they come to church every Sunday. And so there's no way in the world that you can be strong and only eat once a week. Give us this day our daily bread. You need this every single day if you're going to get anywhere in life. And if you're going to start seeing some victories, if you're going to start seeing some of these things come to pass in your life, you're going to have to take the word of God seriously. I love the Bible. I'm obsessed with the Bible. And it's funny because the more that I read it, the more I'm like, man, I just, I don't know very much at all. I'm just scratching the surface of this thing. This is a deep well of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And the more you read it, the more you want it. The Bible's awesome. Is there anybody in here that could say, man, I love the Bible. I love God's word. It's everything that we need. It's a lamp for our feet. It's a light for our path. And it tells us what God's will is for our life. 
And so it's not real often that I got to say, well, you know, I don't know what the will of God is on that. I mean, there's some things, you know, we're like, well, God, what's your will in this situation? But most of the time, we already know because we've read the will and testament of Jesus Christ, right? The Old and the New Testament. We've read his will, which is his word. So if you if you're in this book, you don't have to wonder, well, I wonder what God would want for this. You already know what his will is in our lives. But the problem is so many people, the promises are there, the blessings there, but they don't ever tap in to what rightfully belongs to them. You know, I've, I've seen these different, you know, sometimes on the news and stuff where there's somebody that maybe they're living the, a, a life of poverty or something. And it come to find out that they had, they had given been left this massive inheritance that they just never knew anything about, right? And, you know, we've seen the spams. You ever got these emails that you had a rich uncle in Nigeria and he died and that you're the fourth prince of whatever and, and that you're the next of kin and that you've inherited $26 billion? I'm the only one that's got one of those spam emails. I've got, okay. So we've got the, and, you know, that's, that's a fraud and that's a lie. But there are times when you see somebody, it's like they've been living, you know, an uh, impoverished or sad life, and it's like, wait a minute. Come to find out this guy is actually a descendant of royalty and he's got millions of dollars and things that belong to him. He didn't have to be living that way. Why was he living that way? Because he didn't know what rightfully belonged to him. And there's a lot of Christians that are living way down on this level and they don't have to be because they've got blessings and promises in the word of God that rightfully belong to them. They just don't know about it. You need to get in there and find out what belongs to you. Don't you want to know? If I said, you know, you come to find out that that some rich relative ancestor left you a bunch of stuff and they're like, here's everything that belongs to you. Would you say, okay, and just toss the book and go back to watching TV? No. Would you actually want to open it up and find out what belongs to you? I'd want to find out what belongs to me. If I've got an island somewhere, praise God, I want it. If I've, got, if I've got something that is mine, I'm like, hey, give it to me. It's mine. And the word of God is full of things that God wants us to have. But you're going to have to open it up and find out what it is that the Lord wants for you so you can lay claim to it and receive what God has for you. I want to look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And we're going to look here at verse 140. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, but it is a wonderful chapter. It's broken down into these about 10 verses per segment. It's a it's this Hebrew poem. But Psalm 119, we're going to look at verse 140, and the whole thing is about David's obsession with God's word. And, I've, you know, we've talked about this, but he, he refers to God's promises, God's word, God's commandments, God's laws, his statutes, his decrees. He uses all these synonymous words, but it's all talking about the word of God. And so I love what David said right here about God's promises or about his word. Psalm 119, verse 140. And here's what David had to say here. He says, your promises have been thoroughly tested. That is why I love them so much. And I can tell you right now, his promises and his word, they've been thoroughly tested. And they've been found to be without fault. 
you know, whenever they're getting ready to release a new product onto the market or, you know, we just did this with this vaccine and everything, they got to test it and test it and test it and, and we got to try this out on this many people or, you know, anything that's going to be released to the public, they test it and, 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 and try to see if they can break it and test it and test it and test it and test it. And then when they find out, okay, well, this is 95% effective. This is, you know, this is this much effective. We can go ahead and trust it. Listen, the word of God has been tested and tested for thousands of years now, and it does not have one fault in it. It doesn't have one crack in it. It doesn't have one weakness. When God made a promise, it always works if we'll do our end. If we'll do our part, God's promises always come through. And so we have to trust and we've got to stand on the word of God, stand on those promises and take the Bible very, very, very seriously. You've got to trust the Bible more than you trust people. And I mean, that is hard for some people, right? Because maybe, you know, well, I don't trust my family, but I trust, you know, these guys. I trust this you know, I trust the governor, I trust the doctor, I trust, you know, whatever. Maybe you trust him, maybe you don't. But but either point, I trust God more than any human being. I trust the Bible more than any doctor. I trust the Bible more than any financial advisor, any psychologist. I'm not saying those are bad people. There's a lot of really great ones. But the fact of the matter is I trust the Bible more than them. I trust the Bible more than any person because it's 100% effective. Every time that I do what it says, the way that it says, I always get what it promised me. Always. And again, I repeat, there's been time, yeah, I've had unanswered prayers. Yeah, I've taken some losses here and there. But every time it was because I did something to screw it up. It was never because God failed or God lied or the power ran out in heaven and he couldn't come through for me. He's always come through every single time. But I've got to saturate my life in his word i've got to wrap his word around everything that i do and so i've got one final story i'm going to kind of share here and uh this is this is from brother hagan uh but maybe you've heard this story it's very interesting he told this story about how in the 1930s the u.s navy had been experimenting with these airships they're kind of like you ever seen the Goodyear blimp up above like a, the Super Bowl or something? And so the Navy uh, was experimenting with these. And if you read history, it was a very – it didn't work out. Some of them exploded. Some of the – just bad things happened. But, uh, but, but on May 11th, 1932, they had this giant airship, 785 feet long, called the USS Akron. And they had flown it from the East Coast – to San Diego, California, and, and over 10,000 people came out to see this giant, you know, amazing modern technology. Like, wow, this is incredible. And in fact, it's still to this day is one of the largest flying objects ever. 785 feet, that's huge. And so it, the, the 10,000 people gathered to watch it, but they hadn't taken into account that the direct sunlight here in california would heat the helium up at a more of a rapid pace and so it's heating the helium up and the thing starts floating away and so there's tons of navy sailors trying to hold it down but they couldn't and 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 so it breaks a bunch of the ropes and a bunch of guys go flying into the air three guys died and a couple of guys somehow they just held on and went kept floating up and up 
And so there was, some guys fell off. I mean, there was women screaming, children crying, grown men holding their hearts. What's going to happen? Because one guy was left attached to one of the ropes. And it took, oh, for over an hour, they see this guy up there flapping around, holding onto this rope. And, and somehow, miraculously, he never fell. For over an hour and nine minutes, this little sailor, this, this young little squirt, was holding onto this thing. And they're like, what in the world? And so finally they rescue him. They get him down to the ground. You know, they have the paramedics and doctors and everybody. And let's get him straight to the hospital. They get him down, dust himself off, and he's like, okay, let's go. Everyone's like, what? Are you okay? I'm fine. You're not hurt? No, I'm fine. Well, well aren't you tired? No, I'm not tired. Well, what's going on? How in the world did you hold on that long? He's like, oh, well, you see, before, uh, when things started getting crazy, I noticed I had about four feet of slack on the rope. I just tied a big knot around me and then fastened it really tight. And then when we floated up, I wasn't holding on to the rope. The rope was holding on to me. And so I'll tell you right now, there's so many people, I'm just fighting to believe. I'm just fighting to hold on to the promises. I'm just fighting and and trying to be strong. And listen, if you will saturate yourself in the Word of God, you're no longer just trying to hold on, brother. You are wrapped in the Word of God, and you're not clinging to it. It's clinging to you. God's holding on to you. He's got you wrapped up so tight that it's no longer about me being as strong as I can be. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It matters how strong God and His Word are. That's what I'm talking about. Standing on the promises of God. And so I've heard that story all these years. And yesterday I, I literally looked it up and I found the newspaper articles from 1932. There's pictures of this young sailor dangling in the air. And, and he held on that he was on there for over an hour because he was wrapped in what could hold him together. And I'm telling you this morning, when we say standing on the promise, I mean, never again think of that as just some old religious, fuddy-duddy, old school thing that your grandma said. It's a real thing when we take god's word seriously it will change our lives every single time amen can we go ahead and stand up together today thank you for listening to this podcast for more information visit hdwc.org